Revelation chapter 22. We have made it, y'all. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? We are one week short of being a year into this thing. We started this thing the year, or a couple weeks, I should say, I guess. We started this thing uh, the week following our revival last year. So when we started, that would have been uh, close to the 1st of August. And we are, I think, about 11 days shot. And we have wrapped it up, or we're going to today, Lord willing, unless he, he wants me to go a little longer. We may be in it next week. And I know some of you are saying, chapter 22, amen, we are finished. Because I know some of you may be tired of being in Revelation because it's tough. I mean, I think, or, or I can speak for myself, I won't speak for anybody else, but uh, I can speak for myself and say that it's tough. And some of you, at least, may agree uh, with that, 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 that Revelation is, is, is tough because it's kind of heavy. It's some heavy stuff that we read about that, that I believe is still yet to take place. Um, you know, we have looked at a lot of different, uh, different things in the book of Revelation. We have looked at uh, many different views. There are many different views. There are many more than what I've shared with you. I've tried to hit some of the, some of the high points of some of the more popular views that are had, and, and they are not all the same. Some of them are very differing. I know Christian people who I believe wholeheartedly are Christians, and they hold views that are extremely different from mine. Uh, I think about Proverbs chapter 18 where it says, uh, every man's case seems right until another man cross-examines it. And, and it's that way with Scripture sometimes. Sometimes we are, we are uh, taught one thing our whole life and we hear something else and that seems right and then we hear something else and that seems right and I've encountered that many times throughout the book of Revelation. Because I would read something and somebody would make a point and say, boy, this is what this means. And I'd say, you know what, they got a good point there. And then somebody else would make another point and say, no, it can't mean that, it's got to mean this. And I'd say, man, they make a good point. And then by the time I get through, i got seven different opinions, and they all seem like they could work, and I'm left scratching my head. And so the Bible is tough, but we don't, we don't base our, our beliefs on people's opinions. We all have opinions, and it's okay for us to have a thought, maybe on what some of these tough verses mean. But, but we, we base our, our, our faith on what the Bible says. Even those parts that are difficult for us, even those parts that we might not can, can completely wrap our head around, even those parts that are, that are difficult. Uh, but what we are going to do today, Lord willing, is we are going to wrap up a Revelation today. And, 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 and really, to be honest with you, we're going we're gonna to finish exactly where we started. I don't think there's anywhere else that you can go, can go in the book of Revelation except but to Jesus. We started the book of Revelation and we talked about in great detail that there are going to be many different views that are taken. There are going to be parts that are easy to understand. There are going to be parts that are going to be tough and there are parts that are going to be scary. But what we talked about is that this book is not about uh, necessarily just the Antichrist and all these events that are to come. Obviously, it's about those things. It's not just about these uh, the things that uh, Jesus pointed out to the churches of Asia Minor of that day. But at the heart of the book, while it is about those things, at the heart of the book, it is a book about Jesus Christ. And we see Jesus all throughout the book of Revelation. And that's nothing new because we see Jesus all throughout all of Scripture. Today we are getting to the end of the Bible as we know it, but Jesus is there from the very beginning. And I'm not talking about the New Testament, I'm talking about the beginning of the whole book. He's there from Genesis all the way from cover to cover to Revelation. 
The whole book that we call the Bible is a book about Jesus Christ. And there is no question in my mind, and shouldn't be in yours either, as you look at the book of Revelation, it is a book about Jesus Christ and that He has conquered and that He has given everything that can be given so that those who are His can be with Him for all of eternity. It is a reminder that as Christians we are going to face some hard times. We must stay on track. We must not be misled. We must not be led astray. We see that in the churches, in the letters to the seven churches that we see. Now those were letters to seven literal physical churches of those days, but those same messages apply to us. Those same things that were a struggle, that were a hard time for them, are a struggle and a hard time for us. And there are times that we are like the seven churches, that we are in sin and we need to be corrected. There are times that we have forgotten our first love and we need to remember Jesus and what he did for us. There are also times, like in the seven churches, that we're doing good. That, that we're doing what God wants us to do. But we must ever be on our guard. We see that as the end draws near, we see that, that those, those who are in Christ, even though they are in Christ, there are still some difficulties that take place. We see that in our world today. That we are spared in the life to come from God's wrath. And I believe spared from God's wrath in this world. But the devil is still at work and we still see a lot of evil in this world today. We still see Christians all over the world who are suffering. But we need to remember Jesus' words in the book of Revelation. That is to stand strong. That is to hold firm. Don't give in. Don't give up. I, I am with you, Jesus says. He wants us to finish the race. He wants us to go on and not give in, but to know that he is right there with us through whatever may come our way. So we are going to pray, and then we will jump into Revelation chapter 22. God, I come to you this morning, and... Uh, what, a, what a joy it's been to go through this book. But it's been a struggle for me at least, God, because it's a tough book. And there's a lot of times that, God, I have said to myself and even behind this pulpit that I don't know, dear Lord. And you don't always give us all the answers to everything that we want. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't, dear Lord. But don't, that, don't let that uh, cause our faith to waver, dear Lord. We think we know how things need to happen and when things need to happen and what things need to happen. God, but your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so help us to know that you got this, God. Even if we don't got it, even if we don't understand it, you got it. And everything is happening just the way you intend for it to at just the time you intend for it to. So I pray that we would finish strong this, this, this week, dear Lord, as we uh, get to the close of Revelation, that it would speak to us, that it would cause us to look forward to the return of Jesus, that that would be our focus, that that would be our excitement, that we would look forward to that eternity with you in that perfect and wonderful place that you have prepared for us, and that we would make sure, God, that we are going to that place, that each one in this room would know that they have accepted Jesus Christ, that there is still chance, dear Lord, that you give us this book of Revelation to get a hold of our attention, to wake us up, to help us to see what your word says, that we will be prepared, dear Lord, that we know that your wrath is coming and how horrible that day is going to be. But you give us warning, dear Lord. You're patient with us because you don't want any of us to experience that. So I pray that no one would miss that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're just going to kind of go through one verse or two at a time probably and try to get through, through here. It's kind of a, a long chapter, uh, uh, a lot to read in one sitting. Uh, but we are going to try to wrap this thing up today starting in verse 1. 
Then he showed me the river of living water, sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the broad street of the city. The tree of life was on both sides of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His slaves will serve Him. Now at the beginning of chapter 22 here, uh, we, we kind of are following right along the heels of what we talked about in chapter 21. We are getting this preview. We are getting a description of what eternity is going to be like, of what heaven is going to be like. And we talked about last week that, that maybe we can't understand fully what heaven is going to be like in our mind, but one thing we can know is that Jesus is going to be there. And that's what is most important. That's what's more important than everything. But we get a, a good description last week of some uh, dimensions of what things are going to look like. And is that symbolic language or is that literal language? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what those things are going to represent. But we see language that I feel is literal. I believe these things are literal. We see uh, broad streets that are paved with gold. And we see this beautiful place, this huge place, which is going to be the home of all those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for all eternity. And so we are getting uh, some more description of this place. And here we see uh, a river of living water. Now we know that Jesus is the one that provides that living water. Jesus uh, tells us in his word that those of us who come to him, we will never thirst again. So we see similar language as to what we have seen all throughout the text. And we know that Jesus is that living water. And here in heaven we see uh, living water sparkling like crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the broad street of the city. Now, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that the, that, the, that the street of gold is going to be flooded with water? Does that mean that it's going to have a, a canal running through it, that this water is going to flow through? I'm not really sure what that's going to be like. Again, I'm not going to get hung up on having to know exactly, uh, that I understand exactly what these things all mean, because ultimately this, this water that is flowing, it comes from the throne of God. It comes from the Lamb. And so we see this beautiful place, again, even if we don't know where every aspect of it's going to uh, line up, we do know that it's going to be a wonderful place. The tree of life was on both sides of the river. <coughs> now we were first introduced to this tree of life in the Garden of Eden. If you go back and you read in Genesis, you will, you will uh, see that very early on in the book. You're introduced to this tree of life that Adam and Eve could eat from. There were also there was another tree there. There were many trees there, but there was one in particular that they were not supposed to eat of, and that was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, if you hadn't read the story, go back and read it, but I'll tell you what happened. They didn't listen to God, and they did eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had put a tree of life there to sustain them, and God called them to be obedient and follow what He said, but they chose not to. You see, God had every intention of fulfilling uh, all of their needs and taking care of them forever. Everything was going to be taken care of. All they had to do was be there in the garden and the Spirit would come among them sometimes and they were in the garden with God and the tree of life was there and God was meeting all of their needs and sin came in and messed all of that up. 
And when sin entered and messed all that up, God still had that desire to be with you and I, to be with them, to be with anyone who would come to Him, who would accept Him. God still has that desire to fulfill and meet all the needs which we have. And what we have here is this tree of life, which could be a literal tree there, but it's definitely symbolic that God is going to provide for us, that God is going to take care of us. And when that day comes that we are in His kingdom forever and ever, we won't have to worry about anything. We don't have to worry about death because death has already been done away with, but instead we have a contrast, and that is the tree of life. And God will provide forever and ever and ever. Let's read a little further. Verse 3, And there will no longer be any curse. It was the curse, it was the sinfulness that led Adam and Eve out of the garden. It didn't allow them to go back in there. They were closed off from that tree of life. But now God has made that tree of life available to us through Jesus Christ. We are no longer closed off. Jesus Christ became a curse for us when He hung on a tree so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be freed of the curse, so that we could have the eternal life that God has always desired for us to have. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His slaves will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Again, we see a, a distinct contrast. We saw when we were talking about the beast and the mark of the beast, that there were those who would have to take that symbol on their, on their forehead, some of them would. And here we see the exact opposite, that we see that those who had chose to, to uh, uh, um, uh, go along with the beast, with the Antichrist, some of us would call him, and those who have chosen to go along with the beast, they have been marked by him, but those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have a similar mark, showing that we are God's, that God owns us, that we are his <laughs> servants, that he has paid the price for us, Jesus Christ has, so that we can be with him, and we are marked, we see here in this verse. Night will no longer exist, and people will not need lamplight or sunlight, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will never reign forever and ever. Excuse me, and they will reign forever and ever. So here we have this beautiful picture. God is there. Uh, God is the, the light that's being produced. Jesus Christ is there. And we're in a perfect place. There is no more sinfulness. And so we get a good uh, follow-up from where we were last week as to what heaven is going to be like. Verse 6. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his slaves what must quickly take place. Look, I am coming quickly. The one who keeps the prophetic words of this book is blessed. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who has shown them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow slave with you your brothers and the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. He also said to me, Don't seal the prophetic words of this book, because the time is near. So here we are coming to a closure. Uh, this angel had, had given this word to John. It was a word from Jesus. It was through an angel to John for us, for those who he was writing it to in his day and time, and also for us. And these words were to never be sealed. 
That is, these words were to be left open so that all could view them, so that all could study them, so that all could learn what God's Word said in the book of Revelation. And here we are today. We're studying that book. We're trying to understand what God's Word tells us in the book of Revelation. We are trying to be prepared for whatever may come as the end draws near. But there's a, a word there, and that is near. It says the time is, is near. The time is quick. Now, I don't know about you guys, but to me, quick is like a few seconds. Like somebody says, I'm going to be there in a minute. If they're not there in 30 seconds, we're like, come on, where are you at? What you doing? We calling them. We honking the horn. If we're waiting on them to come out of the house. Like for us, quick is quick. And it says the time is near, but it's been 2,000 years since uh, this book was written. Almost 2,000 years since this book was written. And Jesus still hadn't returned. And some people would say, well, it's not going to take place because it's already been thousands of years. Obviously, the time is not near. But we have to remember that this is God's time. This is not our time. Near to God may be thousands of years to us. But Jesus is going to return. Jesus is coming back for those who are His. And the time is near that these things will take place. So we just have to hang on. We just have to keep the faith. We don't want to give up because we know that God's time is not our time. And when the time is right, God will make these things happen. God will allow these things to take place. Look, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the beginning, and the end. And we just talked about that a few minutes ago, that we see that all throughout Scripture, everywhere in God's Word, we see that everything is on Jesus. Jesus has always been and will always be. We see this language, Alpha and Omega, mentioned here in the book of Revelation. That's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, saying essentially everything from A to Z is Jesus. From the beginning of this book to the end of this book, everything that is is Jesus. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the city gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. That's kind of a tough verse. So does that mean that, that these people who have rejected Jesus Christ are going to be right outside of the gates of the city of heaven? Well, not at all. We know uh, through Scripture that it says just uh, the opposite of that. They are not going to be anywhere around heaven. The gates of heaven are going to be open all day and all night, and there's never going to be a need to shut them because there will be no evil that can come in because all evil has been done away with. And these people are outside the gates of heaven, but they are so far outside the gates of heaven, they are in the lake of fire. And so we are reminded that this place that we will be in, this place that we will be with Jesus, this heaven, is going to be far separated from sinfulness. We won't have any more worries of evil or sin or any of those things that take place. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you. For the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David the bright morning star. Both the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Anyone who hears should say, Come. And the one who is thirsty should come. Whoever desires should take 
the living water as I get as a gift to you. There should be a certain anticipation for those of us who are in Christ. There should be a certain looking forward to of that day when Jesus Christ should return. We should be saying, come Lord Jesus. Just like we see here at the close of Revelation, that should be a day that brings excitement to us. Now I know some of you may be a little like me and there are some, some, some selfishness. Maybe there are some things that you want to do in this world or things that you want to c- uh, complete before this life is done. And it's natural for us to have those human desires to want to do those things. But what we should want to do more than anything is to see our Lord Jesus Christ. And if that means missing out on a few worldly things, then boy, what we're going to experience in the life to come is far going to trump anything that we should want to do here in this world. And so our focus should be past things of this world. Our focus should not be to obtain things in this world, but to look to Jesus Christ and look to His return. And whether He returns while we're alive or whether we die and go to be with Him, our focus should be on that desire to be with Him for all eternity. I testify to everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book. If anyone adds to them... God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this prophetic book, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city written in this book. Now, this is kind of a tough verse, and I've heard this this verse uh, taken out of context a lot. I know some people that read this verse and say, I read that verse, and I I went back to reading the King James Version of the Bible. When he says, uh, changes the word of this book, he's not talking about a translation. He's talking about the words of the book of Revelation. He's not even talking about the Bible as a whole. He's talking about this book that he's writing, this book that is Revelation. Now, it could be that that has a dual meaning, God and all of his wisdom, could be telling us here, knowing that we were going to put Revelation at the end of what we call the Bible, saying, look, don't change anything in the Bible. But I think in the context, what is talked about here is that we're not to change anything in this book of Revelation. We're not to add to, we're not to take away from it. But on top of that, we shouldn't do that with any Scripture. We shouldn't do that with any of God's Word, because God's Word is good enough. There is nothing that we can add to what God Himself has inspired these writers to write that is going to be better. There's nothing that we can add. There's nothing that we need to take away. We need to take God's Word for what it is. We need to believe what it says, and we need to do what it does. It was very important that the words of this prophecy were not changed. No matter how harsh they were or how hard they may be to understand, we must look at God's Word and know that this is what God intended for us to hear. Whether we can connect all the dots or make ends meet, this is what God intended for us to hear. And so we need to remember what we have studied over these last few weeks and what some of you have studied your whole life in the book of Revelation. I want you to continue to read the book of Revelation. Don't just say, well, we studied it. We've covered it all in detail. No, keep reading it. I'm telling you, God will continue to reveal the more you read. It's a tough book. I don't think you can ever read it too much. Just pray that God will continue to reveal to you what His Word says in this book of Revelation. I've read Revelation many times in my life, but doing this study over the last few months and preaching on it, God has revealed some things to me. I have grown in my knowledge, and so we always need to be in God's Word. Not just in this book, but... In all of God's Word, because when we're in the book, that is how God can speak to us. That's how we know what God desires, because He gives it to us in black and white for us to read. (coughs) He who testifies about these things says, Yes, 
I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. There is coming a day that we will all stand before judgment of the Lord. And whether Jesus Christ returns in our lifetime or whether it's through our own death in this world that we go to meet our Lord Jesus Christ, there is coming a day that we must stand before Him. But even in this last chapter of Revelation, Jesus is still trying to get our attention. Jesus is still trying to remind us that, look, if you're living in evil, if you're living in sinfulness, then the time is now to repent. I skipped this verse a while ago, not intentionally, on accident. I don't think I read it. Uh, verse 11. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy go on being made filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. And let the holy go on in being made holy. That's a choice that you have to make. I don't believe that God has already established, look, those who are evil are just going to be evil and there's no hope. I believe what God is doing through His Word and through the book of Revelation is saying, look, there's a chance to repent. We see that all throughout the book of Revelation. He gives the people time and time and time to repent and they refuse to repent because they would rather live in their sinfulness. And here we have a reminder of that in verse 11. I think that we are given a warning here to say, look, there is time to change. Jesus hasn't returned yet. You haven't left this earth yet. There is time to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because that's what this book is about. From beginning to end, it's about Jesus Christ. And I told you we were going to finish this thing how we started it. And in case you missed it, over the last year, in case you've missed it, I want to remind you who Jesus is in the book of Revelation. Jesus is a faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, prince of the kings of the earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the Son of Man, He that lives and was dead, He that holds the seven stars, the Son of God, He who searches and reigns the heart, the holy and true, the one who shuts the door and no one can open. The Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God, the Lord, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, the Lamb that was slain, the Word of God, the Rider of the white horse, bright and morning star, the beginning and the end, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the book of Revelation. Jesus is all through there. And God's desire is that you would put your faith and trust in this Jesus. And if you've missed Jesus in the book of Revelation, I would tell you, you've missed the book of Revelation. And there may be some in this room today that have missed Jesus. Not just in this book of the Bible, but in every book of the Bible. Maybe you've heard God's Word, and maybe you've come to church some, but maybe today you finally got it. Maybe today you finally got it and you, and you realize you've missed Jesus and you're missing Jesus. He's missing from your life. Then praise the Lord that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you've gotten to that place because it is not too late. You can still accept Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. That lamb who was slain on your behalf, you can, you can accept that blood that was slain for you so that you can be forgiven. So that you can be spared of God's wrath. And you can experience God's grace. And when that day comes, you will be looking forward saying, Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. I'm ready. Are you ready today? Let's pray.
God, I come to you today and I thank you for these good words. And God, we covered a lot of ground and there was, dear Lord, a lot to be said for uh, Revelation 22 that we didn't say. But I pray, God, that each one here would continue to study your word. And God, that your Holy Spirit would reveal the truth that is in your word. God, that if there is one in this place that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that today is the day of salvation, that they realize they need Jesus. God, maybe there's one that hadn't got to that point today, but I pray that as they continue to read through your word, that the Holy Spirit would convict them. God, that Jesus would just jump out of the pages of your word because he's everywhere, dear Lord. And so we thank you for a, a bright future that we have. A future that we can be with you, dear Lord. A future that you will sustain us, that you will provide all of our needs. A future that we will be with you. And God, it's not a future that we have earned on our own because we have been so good. But it's your grace, God. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, dear Lord, for that grace. And I pray that if there is one here in this house today that has not accepted it, that they would do so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.